Welcome back to another episode of Quarren Stream, yet another Cinesnob podcast. I am Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viavania. And our guest returning uh, from uh, last week is Jordan Olds from the show uh, Two Minutes to Late Night, a.k.a. Uh, he is also uh, on that show. You may know him as Guarcinio Hall. Jordan, welcome back. Hey, good to be back. Thanks. We're um, back. <laughs> so uh, um, Cody and I were talking um before uh the show and i think you are the only person we've talked to other than the two of us that it's seen uh glenn danzig's verotica yes and that is uh, true. so I we have wanted... it on blu-ray <laughs> do you do i bought it on blu-ray i saw it i went to the new york screening i watched oh, it wow. with him in the room you've seen it in a theater Yes. Oh, my God. With Danzig w- in the room. And Jerry only was there. His whole band was there. It was Holy nuts. Shit. There was merch in the... <laughs> so this was after the premiere at... Uh, what was the festival? Uh, it, uh, it was in Chicago. I don't remember. So Yeah. So was he taking it seriously then still? I think it's... So I think, I think he knows that... I think he's aware that it's like, I think there is some semblance of awareness of the movie, but I think he really doesn't understand exactly. I think he, he, I think he has like stuff in there that he expects people to laugh at. I think he knows that people are going to laugh at crying tits. (laughs) (laughs) I think he knows that that's going to happen or like, you know, like when he tries to, uh, write a joke in the script where he's like, <laughs> when they're in the strip club and he's like, you can't go back there. There's naked girls back there. He's like, there's naked girls out here. Where is like? He, I think he, <laughs> I remember that joke I, specifically. <laughs> it is. It, he also overwrites. He's like, well, they might not understand if I don't say that we're in a strip. Club. Like, it's so <laughs> it's so funny. But I think he doesn't understand like. When everyone's laughing at, uh, like, at like uh, the the bloodbath, uh, literal yes. bloodbath um, at mm-hmm. the end of the movie, and where it's just like people are laughing because the shot is going on for forever. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, but he definitely like. So I saw it at like. <laughs> saw it in new york and i thought that it was gonna be like when i found out it was happening i just bought a ticket immediately i was like i have to see this i have it's the night before uh the misfits so i have to go oh wow. um uh it was it, it i i saw it t- but it it was so funny that it was at an amc it was not at a, not at an indie theater uh, just in AMC, and I watched. And it had all the it had all the stupid previews before, like "Welcome to AMC." <laughs> I guess I uh, there I was fixated. No, there was no previews really at all. Oh, okay. there was like, but there was a merch table inside <laughs> the theater, like a real, like a band, not not different, not you know, with the AMC person working at it or behind the popcorn out in mm-hmm. the concessions area. In the theater, literal merch tent, I bought a shirt because I was like, I'll never be able to buy a shirt from like a chain link 
merch table inside of a theater. Um, it was super funny. They did a Q&A at the end. I think they were originally going to let the audience ask questions, but then after the, after the screening, they were like, um, so no... Uh, I'm just gonna ask my pre the like host was like I'm gonna ask his pre prepared questions so no one could say anything dumb into the mic or whatever. <laughs> They're gonna um, be like, "What the fuck, Danzig?" <laughs> well, the the best part was like uh, the guy was like trying to ask real like uh cinematic questions like to the actors and stuff. They were like, so what was your process like? <laughs> the actor, to- wait, there were actors there. Yeah, like oh the, shit! Some of the the guy who played the spider, and then uh, <laughs> wow, you, uh, they got him. <laughs> uh, um, purple, the purple haired eye boobs girl, who's I think Danzig's actual uh, partner, um, and the guy was like asking her, like, uh, so what? Getting prepared for a role like that? What? What is the press? And Danzig just like stops him from talking, rolls his eyes, looks at her, and goes, what he means is, what was it like having eyes on your boobs? <laughs> <laughs> so I, It was so funny. Well, I guess we should we should explain for people who haven't seen this. This is a, a, a movie uh, directed and written by Glenn Danzig of The Misfits based on a comic book series he made years ago. Yes. And it all sort of... And it's it had a notoriously uh, disastrous premiere at at a f- film festival, and it's um, the best way I can describe it is like it's continually the beginning of a porno, <laughs> uh, and yeah. I don't and I don't really know that that Glenn Danzig has like seen a movie after having watched this because he just doesn't seem to have the language of it down. Like he he has a bunch of stuff that doesn't really amount to anything. I think um, that this is the, I think this is exactly what I expected because I mean isn't this what we all like I I you know this was like seeing this was really like I I went to film school so I've seen a thousand movies like this. Oh yeah, no, one hundred percent. That's what I told Cody when we watched it. I'm like I've seen stu- this is a student film I've seen ten thousand times. Yeah. Um, he doesn't, you know, it's, I, I, it's also the, I see where the student film and the B horror movie that he's trying to make are meeting, but Mm -hmm. Danzig's never seen a student film. So he doesn't know, he doesn't know (laughs) that that's what he's looking at. He doesn't, he thinks that, you know, I think that this actually ties in nicely to what we're going to talk about today, but he doesn't notice what what stuff people are going to forgive him for in his movie. Okay. Yeah. I think that that, cause that's such a huge thing from like horror movies of the 60s, 70s and 80s is, is like, there's bad stuff in all of them. Right. And there's like, there's corners you have to cut and you know, he doesn't understand uh sort of what, is going to be charming and what is going to be forgivable based on the quality. And so, and also because it's, he's shooting on digital. Like there's so much there's, he's, he's <laughs> diving into a, um, uh, into like, uh, like an art form that he's never 
uh, <laughs> been a part of before. Right. Uh, and making it in a style that's, you know, like he's trying to make 60s, 70s horror movies, but with... Uh, but with the mistakes of them, but with the technology of today, like you have to work really hard to make something look like it has 60s and 70s mistakes. And he doesn't understand the subtlety of whatever, because he's never made a movie before. So we're just seeing, <laughs> we're just seeing someone's real first, um, real first movie. That's an interesting take. I hadn't thought of that, that he hadn't really... He, he, he's not the, the type that would have seen a student film. Because, yeah, in you know in your college class, you could get away with those terrible fake eyes on that girl's boobs. Yeah. But, like, in a, in a modern horror film, like, it it just looks comical. Like, you know, even if the people laugh at the, the boobs crying, just the, the, the effects... <laughs> the makeup effect is so just amateurish and terrible... That it doesn't even register as something like it. Instead of being like funny in a like ridiculous way, it's funny in a sad way. I guess is the way I'd put it. Yeah, I think I think it's one of those things where, like, if you shot that in black and white on film, mm -hmm. and you had like uh <laughs> You had like someone who understands lighting because Danzig is doing right. He's the DP on this movie too. He doesn't. He's never used a camera before. <laughs> he's trying to recreate like the light. If you've never lit anything before, before you filmed, like you don't really, you don't really know what it's gonna look like at the end. You, he's like, right. He's he doesn't. It's 100% someone's first movie, and he's doing everything. I think a huge mistake a lot of people do is they're like, I'm going to be the writer, the director, the star of a... Like, that, <laughs> I don't think that that shit ever works either, Like even with people who know what they're doing. Um, like, every person who ever, like, writes, directs, stars, and, like, shoots or, like, builds that stuff... There are very few success stories of that, and most of them are what, like Quentin Tarantino, where they are like notorious, uh, crazy people. So you have mm -hmm. to have like the right type of crazy. He's uh, there was no way that this was going to be better than it was. The, the thing that I come back to that that was like the eye opening thing for me was that the first story is is a, a blast, and I was like, when I was watching that, I was like, okay, he may be in on this. Like, it's really bad, but maybe it's intentional. And then as the movie goes along, I think it gets progressively worse, and then it starts to yep. become very apparent by the end that he doesn't know what he's doing. Because <laughs> that, that last that last story is just, it's just punishing. It's just, it's, it's so long. It's the poor girl who had to be there with completely naked in that pool of blood for what seemed like a half an hour in real time. Like, it's just... <laughs> It's just it's I think that was it for me is that is that it became very clear as it went along that he was just inept and it's and it's it, and I think it, it actually becomes a little less fun over the course of the time because uh, totally. because that first chapter is just so batshit crazy insane and I wish it kind of I wish it kind of kept that pace up honestly. Well, I think he was trying I think what happened is is he made the first he wanted to do these three stories. I think he he clearly put everything into the first one. 
and mm-hmm. the the last one is 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 just that bathing scene because and it's so <laughs> long because it has to hit the feature length. <laughs> but it's weird because that that's, that's all he's trying to do. That section has the best production value. Like there's actually it looks like they actually spent money on that. Like there's horses and shit. Like it, it looks like they actually spent money. <laughs> this movie cost a million dollars. <laughs> I'm not for- kidding. Holy shit. This yeah, a um, million dollar production. Yeah, I mean we um we are we're friends with um if you're familiar with the room um Greg Sestero. Oh yeah. Uh, um and he's uh he's he talks about you know we we've had him on the show he, this show and our other show a couple times and we've we've hung out with him a few times and he was talking talking about you know how the room cost 6 million dollars. Oh yeah. But but you can see it on the screen like the the only person who's inept in that movie uh making that movie is Tommy Wiseau. Because he doesn't know how to write, he doesn't know how to direct, he doesn't know how to act. But like everyone else was a professional, and it it at least for what it is, it looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. You know, I mean, it, it's not great, <laughs> but it, you know, it at least has the earmarks of professionalism. Uh, you know, the lighting is is fine enough. This Danzig one, though, it just it doesn't seem like anybody knew what they were doing or anybody. If they did know that what they were doing, they just didn't care enough because they weren't getting paid enough or or whatever happened. And yeah. I think that that's the the biggest. I think it's more interesting to watch a, um, a you know a kind of a, a a train wreck that's not as grisly as this one. Like because you know, like Cody said, the the first segment's pretty nuts with the spider and the crying boobs lady. Um, but then the rest of it gets a little little dull and repetitive especially that last section which is just like a naked lady taking a bloodbath like three different times i I, I will say one of my favorite things about it is in that second story which is probably the most well i i mean it's not the most forgettable but the uh the 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 vanity of having someone strip to an entire danzig song like oh yeah it's not a clip (laughs) it's not a segment it is an entire like three and a half minute song I'm also I was surprised that, like, you know, you you brought up that it's like waiting for a porn to start. I'm surprised <laughs> that there there wasn't more like gross stuff. I'm like I'm I I said because we did a like um we did a a podcast episode. We used to have like uh when when there was like um. When two minutes to late night was like making the season, we had like a writers' room, and we would have like a podcast where we would listen listen to like critically reviled albums, watch bad music movies, blah blah blah. We did this one, and I said on that that I'm just so surprised I didn't see like a spider dick in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and because I'm I because I expected that to happen when I. Uh, when the movie started and there was no spider dick, I was a little disappointed. <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. sad. Didn't see a spider dick. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm kind of uh, impressed at the restraint a little bit because it, it literally does seem like it's just going to be like a a soft core porno. Um, yeah, right off the bat, time. too. Well, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm excited to see what he does. He's making another movie. Oh boy. It's, uh, about it's a western, but everyone's a vampire, and he's he literally goes, 
Yes, I mean everybody. <laughs> if you see a person in the movie, they're not a person, they're a vampire. <laughs> and I want to see what he has... I, I want to see what it's going to... I'm I'm excited. I, I'm, it's going to be uh, amazing either way. For as genuinely bad as this movie was, I hope he doesn't lean into trying to make a bad movie. Because that always is the worst. When someone makes this intentionally bad thing and then they just... They think that that's what they have to do. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, Tommy Wiseau did it with the... I don't know if you ever saw his sitcom that he made called The Neighbors or Neighbors, something like that. No. I mean, it was unwatchably bad because he was leaning into the ridiculousness of it. And he, again, he doesn't quite understand what what that was. You know, he doesn't understand why it was so charming and funny to a lot of people in the first time around that <laughs> he just made this thing that, that was objectively terrible. Um, but yeah, if, if I mean, it, I'll watch another Danzig movie anytime because <laughs> that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, I think he's. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say. Not only uh, is the is apparently that movie done filming, but apparently Devin Sawa is in it. Oh, oh wow! Fuck. Yes, <laughs> son of a bitch. And it's called Death Rider. Damn, that's oh, awesome. Oh man, I'm fucking in. This is gonna <laughs> rip. It's gonna rip. I'm Devin so excited. Sawa. We <laughs> we have a, a, a our former co-host on our other show, uh, Jordan. He's a He's another film critic who started this whole thing. Um, name is Kiko, and he got into a Twitter fight with Devin Sawa like three months ago over some like perform. Like he gave some movie he was in it a was, bad it movie. It was the and fanatic, Devin the Sa- Fred Durst movie. Oh yeah, and he tagged Devin Sawa, and they had like this this bitter back and forth uh, on Twitter, and it was damn p- pretty <laughs> pretty hilarious to watch because because it was uh, like no one no one cared no. <laughs> Like let Devin Sawa be Devin Sawa at this point. Yeah, for sure. But, um, he's been good in stuff before previously. I I mean he's I don't think he's been in a good movie, but he has been good in movies. Yeah, I don't I don't know the last Devin Sawa movie I saw. God, I don't even know either. I feel like it was that one with um <laughs> uh Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Uh, what was that one? I don't know, but I just saw that apparently, uh, because of course, and we just watched a documentary about him, but Danny Trejo is also going to be in the Danzig vampire movie. Oh, oh. fuck. See, that's yeah, great. Dude, you guys, this is going to kick ass. <laughs> okay. I mean, Danny Trejo doesn't say no. I, I, I don't think so. Um, I'm, I'm glad that he's, that he's a part of it. Oh, um, I cannot thrilled. wait for this. <laughs> so, uh, let's, uh, let's get into the, to the kind of the meat of the show here. Um, Jordan, uh, last episode, we recommended some movies for you to watch. Yes. Um, and, um, to remind you, uh, Cody picked, what is it? Indie game, the movie, Indie game, the movie. Yep. And I picked the, uh, the comedy Dave. And I think you might've accidentally, uh, uh, given us a little preview of what you were going to, going to pick, but without further ado, please tell us because this, this is uh, part of a, an arbitrary point system that means nothing. Um, but we get bragging rights during the episode. Which movie did you pick? Watch Dave, because it's my friend Julia's <laughs> favorite movie. Docu- Hell like yeah, well-documented Cody. favorite movie. Uh, even yeah. Literally well-documented. <laughs> it's in her bio. <laughs> That's amazing that uh, that this movie is someone's favorite movie like that. Uh, I, I assume she's not, like, she's probably in her, what, 20s, 30s? Ish, yeah. 
So yeah, it's not like something she grew up with. Like she happened, she would have had oh. to be very young to to have seen this when it was brand new. Yeah, I think it's like I think that's probably what it is. I think it's like you know, it's a movie. She, like I I can't speak to her, but I can see what I can see what she likes about this movie. I was very so I watched it. Mm-hmm. I was. Like ready to be really anxious watching this movie because it's like the the concept is like uh, the president gets replaced with a regular guy. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> and like I was ready for like a depiction of uh, like you know like you Were know I waiting? was ready like- for like independence the way Independence Day views its government. You know what I mean? Like. America is good, uh, and uh, the president is good. And then, like, I thought, uh, I was ready for that. I was ready for like Frank Langella. It's Frank Langella in the '90s. He's a bad guy, but um, yeah, of course. Y- you know, I was ready for like. I was also ready. F- I-, I was ready for like it to be like uh, this guy kind of uh you know drives the this guy doesn't know politics so he's driving the government off the rails and that's also just kind of literally what's happening (laughs) yeah i was telling cody it's a very like looking back at it now it's it's um you got to remember what time it was made in like when the biggest scandal was a fucking savings and loan if anybody even remembers what the fuck a savings and loan was well i so watching this movie i was like I would it's the the viewpoint that Ivan Reitman has of the government is the government is bad. And the, <laughs> he's like it's we're not doing a good job in America. We have problems. And he like essentially brings this uh he's like everyone in in the in like the White House system most people are corrupt. The mm-hmm. good people can't do anything because of all of the corrupt people our police department um, <laughs> but uh, our police system but you know you're watching all of this and then like you know i was like uh telling my partner as i was watching it i was like this is kind of like watching a switcheroo movie uh <laughs> that's like making uh that's like where it's the guy who ends up in the White House like accidentally becomes like a hot Bernie Sanders. Like, <laughs> 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 like what if Bernie Sanders was like really uh, like uh, like, like handsome, hot, really handsome and is like figuring out he's like figuring out his own politics through <laughs> like I was like this movie is weirdly making a case uh, against democracy <laughs> like, and, and is making a lot of points for socialism in the, the con- like he's making the whole like like he's like we gotta get everybody a job <laughs> and like, that's his speech and I'm like this is he's gonna make a speech like next week where it's like well to be able to give everybody a job we have to distrib- we have to have proper wealth distribution and i was like fuck yes <laughs> let's do this I, um i've never i've never seen that la- that layer of it before that's how the the beauty of well the beauty the uh the sadness of how politics has progressed that it can open up new levels and new layers to this movie yeah 
I was I I had a, this movie. It felt. Re- I'm not an Ivan Reitman fan for the most part. Anyway, I, my most controversial uh, movie opinion ever is I don't like Ghostbusters. I don't mm. think it's technically a movie. Really, I, I'm not That's a huge Ghostbusters fan either, frankly. But what do you it's mean? Not Te- about anything. They the oh here's, here's here's I got I see what you mean. Ghostbusters, it, the movie starts out and they're already the Ghostbusters. They're already kind <laughs> of that. And they get kicked out of their school because Bill Murray is like fingering people. And you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't finger your students if you're a professor. And then what happens is is they're like, um, is like... I don't know. They're keeping, they're like drunk in the daytime and keeping nukes underneath this old abandoned firehouse, which they just get. He's just like, what do we do now? We're kicked out of the school. I have a firehouse. And then they get the car because Dan Ackward is like, I have this car that's already got the logo on it or whatever. And that's not have- true. They, he, they talk about the mortgage and all that stuff. That's not, I, I'm going to, I'm going to call. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to point out. I, I I get what you're saying, but uh, don't. Well, I, I'm going to point out the technical the, details of Ghostbusters. Well, the the point is the bad guy in Ghostbusters is a hundred percent right. He's like, Wait, <laughs> yeah, hold for on. sure, one hundred. Are you guys are you guys drunk in the daytime and you have nukes in the basement? You can't do this. And they're like, you don't have a dick. And like, <laughs> um, and then like Ernie Hudson joins the team. With a job application. <laughs> and then they're like, how do we beat the ghost at the end? They're like, let's cross the streams. Like, we're peeing. Like, we're children peeing. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> there isn't, like, really a plot other than Bill Murray is lying, uh, is, like, is like being a absolute, like, next-level creep um, to Sigourney <laughs> Weaver. Everything he does is the worst thing you should you can do as like uh as like a dude. The best decision he makes in the movie is to not assault somebody. It's just it's the movie is bananas. It's like there's no lesson. It's great. I love the looking at all the ghosts, but it's a crazy movie. But anyway, I thought the um I thought the uh I thought this movie felt, I don't know how to explain this other than it felt really nice to watch. Like it's got the big nineties score, like a nice feel good. This movie 100% feels like something where they made this for Robin Williams and he did not. I had, I had that exact same thought when watching it. So I, I I mean, uh, uh, historically it, it was actually made for Warren Beatty. What? Yeah. <laughs> and, Warren uh, Beatty? Right. And he, uh, um, being that weird late 80s, early 90s Warren Beatty, was like, still thought it was 1975 and wouldn't sign on. And it was, yeah, it was originally originally for Warren Beatty. And uh, I think they, they, they shopped it to Kevin Costner also. And, Kevin uh, Klein was the right choice. Cause I think no, 100%. Really, he really, he sells both ends of the character um there are very few people who um the movie's like not hilarious 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just, I don't know. It feels right. This feels, this feels like weirdly the best thing the, uh, that Ivan Reitman has done in my view. Like I love kindergarten cop. I love it. Yeah. But it's, but it's, it's, it's messy. This feels like a, like, uh, it's got a lot of heart in it. It's got, you know, as I said, like, I think accidentally a political view I can get on board with. <laughs> like, I don't think that that was really the intention. I think the, the movie w- really wanted to be like, no, but all of this, but inside of the system of democracy. Um, but I think that it's, uh, I don't know. Sigourney, Sigourney is whipping ass, mm-hmm. uh, doing great. Um the cast is nuts. It's nuts that all of these people are in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got Kevin Klein. You've got Sigourney Weaver, Fing Rames, Frank Langella, Ben Kingsley. You've even got Laura Linney. Charles, yeah. Charles Grodin. Uh, Bonnie Hunt. Yeah. Charles, Charles Grodin has Grodin a. Charles Grodin is. is uh, I was very happy to see because I also, again, we just watched. Um, the uh, the Muppet movies and oh yes watched, yeah. Uh, yeah great he, Muppet I mean uh, yeah great, great Muppet, Muppet caper yeah, yeah he's so good in that movie he is that's that's such an underrated performance he's so funny yeah I need to rewatch that again yeah so re- I was gonna just comment because I actually I right before we started recording I finished the movie I had never seen it before myself and um, yeah I had it's funny I had that same exact Robin Williams thought and I and I couldn't connect why and then I finally did which is because I think the score to this movie sounds exactly like the score to Mrs. Doubtfire. And I think it was just like, <laughs> like something was firing in my brain that was causing me to think that. And it's almost as if like, it, it was just, it, it maybe Robin Williams would have played, played it too broad and maybe too, too over the top or comedic. And, and this is, and this is why I think Kevin Klein plays both sides of it really well. And I think is a perfect bit of casting because it's just a super charming character. I think that, I think it's really enjoyable of a movie and it's, and it's super charming of a movie. I do think, and I think this is just Jared, like you said, it was probably the, the landscape that was happening. It, it feels very naive at times. Um, yeah. and, and it feels, especially in, in the state that we are in now, it feels incredibly naive. And I was actually afraid too, of the, of the storyline of, you know, Oh, well there's too many politicians in politics and we need more regular people. And I was like, Oh boy, this, this better, <laughs> yeah it's better not that's why we're here that's why we're in the fuck up <laughs> fucked up shit that we're in now yep exactly and so I'm, I'm i'm glad that um that it didn't hammer that home in a way that was that was too peril it was it wasn't really you know like really explicitly put out there but you know i i think everyone in it is really good i i am actually a, a big fan of kevin dunn um and i'm always mm-hmm. really oh yeah really happy even in transformers him. you love kevin dunn don't you yeah, not so much that oh, okay. sorry <laughs> But you know Kevin Dunn's amazing on Veep and um, and uh, a, you know basically a you know a, a really great character actor and I'm always happy to see him show up. So you know he's great. Um, Scorny Weaver's really really good and I and I do like that that storyline. It is the whole thing is kind of a fucked up story though if you unpack it any that just, oh it's so fucked up. <laughs> that just. This the the president of the United States is is just you know like dying or you know like brain dead while all of this is going on and then and then Sigourney Weaver falls in love with a you know a twin lookalike of it. it's just a it's it's just a fucked up kind of movie uh, this is this is oddly interestingly uh, paralleled 
to Escape from New York, which I think is just, which we'll get into when we talk about that movie. But I had a, a really interesting, well, I, I'm not going to say my own thought was interesting, but it, it, made, me, it made me think a little bit about, um, about the view of the presidency and, polit- and politics in general in, in the scope of these movies and something that you typically see. But I'll get into that then. But yeah, I, I found myself in, in, you know, even though it is a little bit, it's a bit cornball, it's a bit cheesy, it's a bit naive, but it's, you know, in spite of all that, it's super enjoyable. One, one thing I wanted yeah. to add, sorry, uh, one thing I wanted to add, and, and I, this, I think this is a, like a staple of these 90s movies, um, and I remember this happening um, in... Uh, like contact and uh, uh, something else um, where you get all of these real people in it, like real politicians and real like reporters and, and anchors and stuff like this has like, like the, sp- the speaker of the house in it, Tip O'Neill at the time. Um, it's got like a, got other, a, got a, a fiery Jay Leno joke in there. Yeah. You oh, got Leno, God. you got Arnold, you got Arnold Schwarzenegger. You've got, <laughs> I, was, I loved loved seeing Arnold. I was like, hell yeah, he would You've, do this. Yeah, like, do, what is it doing? Pu- what is he doing? Pu- I can't remember what he's doing. Push ups or uh, oh, he's what like, is it they're doing? He's like, uh, he's, he's telling the kids to to eat to healthy. Eat, to eat oh healthy. yeah, and he's uh, yeah, yeah, he's like, don't eat donuts. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and then like Ben Stein, you know trolls like that and uh chris matthews it's just the the lived-in feel of it is, is is something that that really put it over for me um when i was watching it when i was 15 or whatever the fuck when i first saw it um so uh i i think we we might have already touched on it but but jordan what did you think of the movie like did you would you say you liked it would you say you enjoyed it or or not i think i liked it i think i um prob i mean maybe just because of me watching it through like the eyes of like my friend i was (laughs) i thought it was you know it's you know it is it's naive it's got you know i don't know i like i like that it's you know uh it's a i i like uh the concept i like that it's like not it's not shoving um like America is good down the throat, which is mm-hmm. really what I was afraid of seeing as I right. was afraid of the, the possible propaganda that would be in this movie or, but it's really about like, um, I think it had like, uh, I think it had a different meeting back then, but now when we're seeing like, uh, our, our country, you know, really, really falling apart under uh, <laughs> for a lot of reasons it's something like this uh i think like you know a movie about like the good and people uh flourishing um and people w- wanting to just genuinely help other people with when they have the in the right like mindset uh i like that i think it's got so yeah, I'm I'm for this since it wasn't full of propaganda and had um like a heart at the end of the day. Like it doesn't turn into a movie where Dave is the actual president. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he 
I mean, like, the way they get anywhere in this movie, like, that he, like, fakes a stroke and then, like, leaves so that they can then find the actual stroked dead body of the president in a weird monitor underneath the White House. They do a literal swap, a body swap. Yeah, crazy. Um, But I, I, you know, I, I, I like, I, I like where this was going. Um, I like the intention of, of this movie because I really was scared that I wouldn't. Cool. So that's a, that's another point for me, Cody. Mm. And uh, you, Cody likes to say that, that every time someone likes one of my movies, it's my movie suggestions. It's a very um, tepid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yes with reservations. And I think Whoa. yours yours probably qualifies. <laughs> say you, it's like, hey, at least it wasn't fucking terrible propaganda. <laughs> yeah. Well, I uh, okay. What is uh? What are the other movies you have recommended? Can I just get a few? Uh, Gremlins two. Oh fuck! I love that movie. Damn okay, it. cool. By the way, by the by the way, by the way, there is a Gremlins two reference in this movie. Is there? And it's, where? It is the. The one of the cameras covering the press conference, one of the uh, some well, some press conference. It has the camp, uh, camp, uh, sorry, clamp news network logo on it. What? Yep. Really? It does. I love Gremlins Two is one of my favorite movies ever, and I want I want to love that Keen Peels. Uh, sketch, but I think they completely picked the wrong movie for the sequel thing because it's like making fun of a movie that's so self-aware. Yeah, of, the movie itself is a parody of sequels, so it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, well, no, um, I. It, well, I was I just gonna. Think it's great. I was just gonna say the other movie that that we that you got a tepid response on was was the Shaggy Da. Oh yeah, I mean that was that was more to. Uh, to play up the uh, mm-hmm. the Mister America joke than anything else. Shaggy D. What is that? It's a. Uh, have you you are you familiar with the Shaggy Dog? Yeah. It's I a think sequel. So. It's a sequel to the Shaggy Dog. It's a it's a terrible like seventies Disney movie that's shot like a TV show. Um, you know, it's just all super fill bright lighting. Um, stars Dean um, Dean Jones, who was in every Disney movie back then, uh, and it, it's a sequel to the sh- the Shaggy Dog movie that that starred Fred McMurray. I don't know if you're familiar with that one at all. I only have heard of the there's Tim the Tim Allen, Allen remake. remake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I this was a <laughs> there was a, the original one was a, a Disney live action movie from the, the 60s. It was like I believe. 1959. Oh, nice. yeah, damn, that's old. Jesus. Um, it had uh, Fred McMurray. Um, what's the guy's name that was also in uh, 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 Tommy Kirk? Um, those guys that were in all those Disney movies, the live action Disney movies back then. So Never. they made a sequel. T- they made a sequel to it in the seventies, where it was the the kid who turned into the Shaggy Dog had grown up, and he was Dean Jones now, and apparently had aged like forty years <laughs> in that span of time. But he's running for DA, and uh, someone finds the the ring that turns him into the dog, and he ends up turning into the dog on the campaign trail. It's I mean it's it's terribly stupid, but it was a reference in a a, a documentary or a, a mockumentary Cody and I watched last year called Mister America, starring Tim Heidecker, 
and uh and oh um, yeah um greg turkington and like greg turkington is like the movie is like a parallel of the shaggy da like it's it's a <laughs> it's i mean it's it's this incredibly meta joke that that we that i was buying into and um that was actually uh recommended to greg sestero who uh as it turns out was a huge fan of the shaggy dog when he was a kid like him and his brothers would watch it all the time and he he was very tepidly uh interested in the shaggy da after it was oh all my done God. <laughs> that was a long way to go for a, a movie that wasn't really that great but <laughs> anyway um yeah and i recommended gremlins also um oh, gremlins. for a different reason yeah um love it thanks so see cody um it's just it's dependent on the movie it's not just my picks mm-hmm. so but yeah, uh, take a look if you go go back and watch Dave and see if you can spot that camp cable. I can't say it. Clamp cable news logo on one of the cameras. I I I will. Um, I love. Uh, damn, I love Gremlins shit, man. <laughs> like, uh, here I've got a. I've actually got a. I've got a uh, screenshot of it. Um, I'll, uh, I don't know if you can see it in our in our chat, but I'm gonna I'm gonna paste it in there. Cool. Well, I guess I can't send a photo, but yeah, I mean, I, I just literally searched for Clamp Cable Network Dave, and a Reddit post comes up, and you can see um, the camera like in the bottom left corner. So, were these? This wasn't a Warner Brothers movie, though, was it? No, it is. It is, yeah. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was just a a leftover prop. Who knows? I mean, I'm sh- I don't I don't yeah. imagine it was intentional, but uh, uh, it is fun to think that Gremlins and Dave exist in the same universe. Very funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's uh, let's move on to uh, your pick for us, Jordan, yeah. which uh, was Escape from New York, um, a film that neither Cody and I had actually seen. Um, so, Cody, what did you think of Escape from New York? Well, I think there's there's a there's a lot to to kind of unpack with it, and I think that <laughs> the, the first thing that stands out that I actually really loved was that like, in terms of exposition, like within the first like two to three minutes of the movie, you are in like it. It just kind of it kind of builds. Uh, it it does it does very efficient world building just across the board. So not only are you getting the full idea of the story within, you know, the first, you know, the first lines of the movie, but, you know, you get to get a uh, kind of like a table setting of the setting of everything where, you know, you see how gritty and, you know, post-apocalyptic everything looks and, um, and you get, um, uh, you know, a view of, you know, your characters and, and, and get a good idea of who they are. So I think it really sets the table really efficiently and really well. Um, I think that uh, it's it's interesting to look at how the 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 look of the movie has aged because I think it it and, and all you know all things considered looks pretty decent for being a movie from 1981. Um, you know, Jared and I were talking earlier about the um, about the work that James Cameron did on the movie um, mm-hmm. and uh, and him doing the um, uh, what was it the uh, matte paintings the Matt, is what I read yeah. I I just I also um, the music has been stuck in my head. Oh, the music's amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the yeah. the uh, the scene that introduces the Duke is uh, that's some great some great music. Cow- more cowbell, baby. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's full of cowbell. Um, yeah, it's 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 a great classic John Carpenter score, which I really loved. 
Um, and I think, uh, you know, one thing that I was curious about is that I have, I don't have a lot of experience with Kurt Russell as an actor in those days. Um, like I said, I, in, in previous episodes, I have a pretty big 80s blind spot. So I think in that period of time where he was up and coming, I think The Thing is the only thing I've seen, um, which he's great in. But, you know, most of the Kurt Russell reference points I have is are like, you know, 2000s and on. So I was interested to see his performer, his performance as a younger actor. And I think it's a great role for him. Um, and I could see how this would have been a, and I was reading a little bit about how this role was a, a persona shift for him. Um, and how one of the reasons why he wanted to take the role was to kind of shed the kind of, um, ideas that people had of him as an actor. Um, I like, yeah. Cause as I, to tie it into what Jared was talking about, he yeah. was a young Disney actor. Yeah. 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 I was, uh, that uh, Cody was unaware that a film called the computer wore tennis shoes was a real thing. <laughs> yes. So was I, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> oh yeah. That was a Disney movie, uh, that he was in. That's probably the best title of a Disney film he was in. I agree. Yeah. And I think, I think what it, you know, shedding the, the Disney image is something I think a lot of actors probably have to go through over the course of history. And I think he does it really well. I mean, I think it's, it's a great, like kind of badass character. Um, and I, and I think it's got a really interesting cast of character actors where like, like everyone in it is, is kind of like a f- like famously great character actor, whether it's, you know, always good seeing Henry Dean Stanton show up in something and, Harry, Harry, Harry Dean Stan. Me. God damn it, Cody. Excuse me. No, you're me. doing fine, Cody. I'm, I, I'm fucked up. Uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think my favorite, uh, one of my favorite parts too is is Lee Van Cleef, uh, who I think is a, oh, hell yeah. is, a, is a great part. And I think if you, I was I was saying this earlier, if you um, if you drink if you play a drinking game every time he says Pliskin, I think you might die at the end because I think that's yeah. that's like half of his dialogue is just is just saying Pliskin. Pliskin, uh, and that's about it. But um, yeah, I think I think that there's this. The story is pretty simple. Um, I think that once you once the kind of like the plot of it is is laid out, you can kind of you know turn the brain off and kind of watch and 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 enjoy it. I, I think it's it's it's. Um, I don't know that the that the that that it was designed to have because I mean I think it is at heart a B movie and I think there's nothing wrong with that and I think it's a good one at that I think that one thing that I was interested and this is what I was talking about is with Dave is that uh, reading about the movie a little bit John Carpenter wrote it as a response to Watergate and uh, (laughs) and sort of like this notion that like people are displeased with the the notion of the president or the idea of the president. And, um, and I don't, I, and I was like, does this really shine through? And then I kind of thought about it a little bit more and it, and it paralleled to a conversation I was having with a friend of mine recently where it seems like a lot of like these save the president movies seem to be like really apolitical and really have like a lot of reverence for the job of president and nothing else, like as just the leader of the country. And to me, that's, that's such a weird attitude to have in modern days, especially now, like, like imagine, you know, a movie coming out where someone had to, you know, rescue the president from something and people would be like, mm, do we have to <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, th- but that's snakes attitude towards it is he's like, I don't fucking want to. Yeah. And that's, that's why I think it's so, it's so refreshing to see that. Cause, cause then I, you know, once I thought about, you know, 
like watching stupid shit like White House Down or whatever, um, you know, you'll you'll see stuff like that. And and this is this is a completely different take on it where you know he doesn't really want to, and then by the end of it, kind of you know fucks with the president's plans and things like that. So I do appreciate that look of of kind of like this, you know, not having that blind need to protect the president. I, I really got a little tired of that as a storyline. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. And I think it's a great, uh, a great 80s movie. Well, I think that's, those are the key features is like, uh, like you're like, uh, like talking about Kurt Russell playing a character like this or like stories about rescuing the president. Those things didn't exist before this movie like this is the first like uh this is the this creates the the genre of like we gotta save the president because it's people misunderstanding this movie mm. it's one of those things that's always what happens is people take the wrong thing away like this is um like you are you're you're getting john carpenter who is upset at uh democ at uh, it, this is John Carpenter understanding very early on. He's like, this democracy thing is not going to work out great uh, in, in the long run. <laughs> um, like the way we are running the country, like, you know, it's, it's him displeased with like the government and he's creating like the stakes. The story is about, you know, snake having to do it, but it's also about the government fucking him over. And that's kind of what being, an American to him feels like is they're like mm-hmm. making us do stuff. Uh, like they're like, you'll it's like, you got to do this thing. And then it's, you know, and then by the end it's uh it's bullshit. But my favorite piece about this movie is how uh, like big of a concept. This is the movie. He like, and I think it's also this is the the story of John Carpenter as a filmmaker. He has a huge idea for what he wants to make, and then he like goes to a studio and they're like, "Great, uh, we can't do this. We don't have <laughs> enough money." And he goes, "Fuck you! I'm going to do it anyway." <clears throat> and in this movie, I think it works out for him, especially because this is the first time anyone's seen something like this it also works out in halloween because he's cutting a shit ton of corners in that movie but it's a movie with a style that people had never seen before and then you're watching this which is like the first real like anti-hero action like die hard doesn't exist yet there is no modern real modern action movie so there's this um and he like (laughs) He doesn't have money to turn New York into an actual prison, so he shoots most of it in the remains of the riots that are very similar to the riots that are happening now in (laughs) St. Louis. He just shoots it in St. Louis. If there's like, you know, for the most part, if there's shit all over the ground, it's because people threw a bunch of shit all over, like threw a sink out the window or whatever. And that fucking rules. Yeah, It's, It's such a punk rock way to make a movie. And, you know, there's tons of shit that doesn't hold up. And I, I think especially for, like, Cody, you've seen probably just so many movies like this now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, I had a similar experience showing Halloween to my friend who had, uh, for the first time in college. And he was like, yeah, it's fine. It's And, and it's of course it's fine to him because he's 
seen a million things like it because most most horror if there's a knife in a horror movie it's in it's doing halloween for the most part right and i think a lot of a lot of people have played snake plissken after kurt russell did it which is why i think after this like kurt russell isn't interested in doing a character like this ever again the next thing he does is his my favorite role of his ever, which is Big Trouble Little China, which is like <laughs> yep. if Indiana Jones sucked at everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Super funny. Um but the you know, the hit with with Carpenter, I think what happens is, is he has these like surprise successes and everything after not getting money for the most part. Then he gets proper money for the first time in his career and he makes the thing and you finally get to see what John Carpenter can do with a fully realized vision yeah. in the thing, and it fucking bombs. <laughs> uh, they market it like shit. It's competing against E.T. People don't know which alien movie to see. It's nuts. It ruins his career. Um, people only like it like 10 years after he made it, and he's like, great, thank you. Uh, where, <laughs> where was everybody? Uh, when I need that. But then I think, you know, uh, then in 1997, where <laughs> <like> <laughs> yeah. Escape from New York takes place, he makes um, he makes Escape from L.A. And I think Escape from L.A., on paper, if you look at that movie, it is, I think it's, on paper, it should be better than Escape from New York. It has a more realized vision of a future. It's really... He was like, people were not clear on my view of the government, so he pushes <laughs> the government uh, like way further. The president is very clearly not even associated with being like anything near like one of the good characters. Um, I think the world he builds around like what like a ironic post-apocalyptic LA is incredible. Like the there's like um, there's so like there's like a a, a scene with like a, a a bunch of people who are like melting because they can't keep getting plastic surgery, and there's like <laughs> plastic surgery zombies. Uh, it's like. It's so it's an incredible film, but again, doesn't have the money that he needs. This the special effects studio he's working with. John Carpenter doesn't know fucking shit about CGI. Yeah, CGI, yeah. CGI is taking over things right now, and he's just like left with like people are like the way you cut a corner right now is you do CGI. So he's like. Working with technology, he has no idea like what to do with, nor sh honestly, nor should he, because it's like, you know, uh, third decade of his career, um, it's like, and he's trying to work. So you're just, I think, like, when you look at that movie on paper and you see like, oh, the end fight is in like Disneyland, like it's a perfect version of a of an escape from New York sequel, but the corner cutting that he uses in this movie, like part of the is, yeah, we're talking about escape from New York as like a B movie. There's like, you know, there's some sloppy stuff in it. Like, yeah, you, like the, 
the effects are bad, but you're they're bearable. Like when he can't get a computer generated image, he I loved that. Tapes he puts tape on a model city. Yes, that's a ama- that's an amazing. Yeah, I love that, and I'd I knew about that before I saw the movie, and when I saw it in action, I mean it, it looks amazing for what it was, and it's such a lo-fi solution to a problem, and I, I think yeah, and I think that's probably uh, to your point, you know that's that's the kind of filmmaker John Carpenter is. He's not the filmmaker who makes a a, a seed, you know, puts keys uh or com- composites uh peter fonda and fucking and kurt russell in front of a cgi wave and has them surf through la i think like, he definitely wanted to make them surf through la i think he definitely wrote that <laughs> right script. right but i mean just the way it ended up like that's not how that the film yeah. made, that's not how he should he, he would have come about it but the co- you know it's all about like the execution like if they had um a different filmmaker, you know, you watch uh, a few years earlier, like, you know, if they shot that scene a little more similar to, you know, in a, uh, to like, uh, like how they shot stuff in like Point Break or whatever, I don't think people mm-hmm. would be batting an eye. It's just, it's, it's different. Like the, if this, the effects he gets away with, like the glider falling off the building looks like fucking garbage, but you expect it to <laughs> right. look like garbage. Because it's the there's we there's a lot more forgiveness for that type of like '80s effect because we're like oh it's the eight we're 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 used to that version of like uh, getting away with something. Yeah, I mean you know seeing the matte lines and and uh, you know that it's obviously a miniature things like that. Yeah, like he just John Carpenter, what he cares about. <laughs> is uh is pacing and shots that's what he cares about is is that that's his main thing like he'll do what he can with what the actors are giving him but he wants he wants a fucking big ass landscape shot he wants uh he wants a lot of dark colors in it he's okay with like a shit ton of space in it and he wants to that's why he scores his own movies because he gets to control the pace of it and i think that those two pieces of it like that shit never really goes away from him but like him because he never really gets a proper budget ever again in his career you never really get to see him able to grow out of his uh scrappy filmmaking style and of course that shit's going to weaken over time because he's working with technology. He's trying to be scrappy with technology that isn't scrappy, that you can't be scrappy with. That you yeah, can't yeah. there there isn't a way for him to uh to really work. That's why I think yeah, you uh like Cody was talking about the thing. I think the thing is is the best movie he makes. Like Did, because it's fu- a fully realized uh, vision of his with the proper money to make it happen. Did uh, uh, speaking of of the like the the effects thing, have you ever heard the story about um, Stanley Kubrick uh, wanting to make AI? Uh, where yes, he, I, I think I have. Where he was that was supposed to be a Stanley Kubrick movie, right. uh, Kubrick before he died, and he 
because it was so ambitious special effects wise he wanted to be able to he wanted this the uh, he wanted the effects rendered out like already what he wanted and then he wanted to be able to cut it and and they like as though it were shot in camera mm-hmm. and whatever whatever i mean maybe now that would he could do that but at the time i guess he went to industrial light and magic or whoever and they said no that's just not how we work and uh it was like a, a major sticking point for him making that movie was he wanted to be able to set his own pacing and not have to set it before he saw what the final product was like and it's just it, i think it's it it happens more often or it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to happen very often that these old directors kind of run up against this technology that's just not how they work and i i don't know you know what would a cgi heavy stanley kubrick movie look like i mean we're we're never going to know and it it's probably for the best frankly um and you know that john carpenter kind of stumbled into it with uh, escape from la and and not as successfully as escape from new york did on a much lower scale it's uh you know it's it's a weird thing it's it's a weird thing to and like you mentioned um you know we're forgiving of the 80s special effects because we know what the time was we're not nearly as forgiving from of, of cgi that's now 25 years old because we it, we're still in that era we're not well i think the the biggest thing is cgi in general like we're not forgiving of it even five years ago like yeah, you yeah. think that shit like i have not i saw avatar one time there's no way mm-hmm. i'm watching that movie and not going like this looks like shit <laughs> like that movie won everything that you know it's we're just we we don't uh we don't like cgi and people i am i just personally don't i can't every de-aging thing like we what we talked uh last episode about watching the like rewatching the marvel movies oh, every yeah, yeah. time i see like a de-aged person it creeps me out you can tell yeah yeah I, yeah cuz you're just, looking at you're looking at uh you know wall street kurt russell and I mean, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, Michael, what am I trying to Michael say? Michael Douglas. Douglas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one, yeah. That. Oh, I was just gonna say real quick that that I think in that I think that kind of proves the point. Like when you see, uh, so like I think one of the reasons why the thing is so effective is all of the practical effects and and like the totally. the whole movie is like gooey and gross and and like unsettling. And then I don't know if either of you saw the the uh, it was technically a prequel that came out. Um, yeah. a few years back that was all CGI and it just sucked the entire soul out of the movie because it doesn't have that that factor like like any they could have been any movie and just everything being CGI kind of ruined the whole thing and so you know I think that you know I I think that again part of why that why the thing is so effective is because of it seemed like he had a mastery on using practical effects there and used it to I think some of the best you know, usage at least in that format that I had ever seen before. Yeah, I love. Well, every I, John Carpenter wants everything to be practical, but I think when he realizes that something can't be, he just he just goes, "Eh, whatever." Like <laughs> when the plane has to fall off the building, I think there's part of him that's just like, "I fucking can't care about this." <laughs> there, yeah. This is a part of my movie I can't fucking care about. So just. Make a model fall. I like, you know, it's not really what he's there to do. 
Um, I think like you and you see you see when he just uh, the aspects of filmmaking that he doesn't have time to care about because that's just not he's not going to have the money for it. So why even who cares? Let's move the fuck on from it. Um, And that's why, you know, like at the end of Halloween, like there's like the weird thing where it's like we have to shoot this guy off of the 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 roof. And he's just like, I don't. I don't know. There's I, I we didn't plan for there being a balcony up here. I just shoot it in th- weird three shots and it'll look like he's stepping on top of the <laughs> balcony and then teetering off like a tree. Um like that's just not we forgive that because it's like all right, it's old beef uh movie filmmaking and the pacing is right, but you see him have to do that so much more because that's what movies ask for later. Like the movies have to like it's gotta like Escape from L.A. had to be bigger than right. Escape from New York, but then there's also all of these fucking rule like uh, these rules that they have to do. Like I'm if you read, the, I'm pretty sure if Escape from L.A. was never made and it just remained this script that existed, like people would talk about that as if it's Jodorowsky's Dune. Like, <laughs> people would be like, this thing would have been amazing. It would have ended with a fight at like Disneyland, but then when you actually see Disneyland in this movie, it's the first three times I saw Escape from L.A., I did not realize that the movie ended in Disneyland <laughs> because it doesn't yeah. look like it because they can't use any of the iconography. Um yeah. It just looks like they're in a weird little French town. I was like, I guess this is the set they could afford. And then I fucking realized that it's it's weird. Um, And I I think that... um, I don't know. I think that John John Carpenter is my favorite filmmaker. I love this movie because I, I think it's like... It instilled everything in me that I kind of like... uh, it it I you guys know about like the filmmaking triangle like time, quality and budget. I've I've heard of it. I'm not. I mean, I I assume I've heard of it. I took film classes, but I I don't. It's not fresh in my mind. It's like a thing where it's like, all right, so those are the three things. It's like time, budget, or time, money, and quality, and you're rarely gonna get <laughs> like, uh all three of those on your side. So you have to sacrifice one uh, each time. And it's, you know, really watching, um, I think John Carpenter's, you, like, he influenced me the most on what to do uh, with that triangle. Hmm. I think it's like, why, why with two minutes, it was like, all right, we don't have a lot of money. So we're going to take a shit ton of time in trying to make the best possible thing. But, you know, we sacrificed uh, time. It took forever uh, to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of like you're trying to work with that. um, With whatever you can. Um, I have to leave. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, we can... We can wrap this up. No, um, again, th- thanks for the recommendation for that because it, it was it was something that we really, it was a blind spot for me, like and and for Cody too, I believe, and it was nice to to kind of fill in that blank and and have someone who is very passionate about it 
you know, kind of clue us in on uh, on what it means to you. So um, again, uh, Jordan uh, Olds, thank you for joining us. Um, you want to tell people where they can find your your stuff? Oh yeah, th- sorry guys, I have to. I just realized. Oh god, I have to shoot. Uh, that other, I have to shoot last words, which is another. <laughs> oh no, no problem. I, to, I host. Um, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Jared, did you like the movie? <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I really did. Yeah, I did like it. So yes, yeah. No, it was. It's. I. I, I need to go back and watch rewatch Escape from L.A. now. Now that I'm not. 17 and bored yeah it's a weird it, the movie's super fucking weird but if you like look past the things that are like obviously bad about it like you'll start to see what it is like if you just like there's the scene where he's in the submarine right and he's mm-hmm. and he's like traveling to the island of los angeles and you know forever you know, it's famous for having like the worst CGI shark ever jump out at his uh, like submarine. Uh, only upon like the the third watch did I realize, oh my god, he's submarining past Universal Studios, and that is actually <laughs> the robot shark jaws. That's why it doesn't look better, is because they're. They have bad CGI, and they're trying to make something look like a fake shark. It looks awful. It looks like the worst Beast Wars episode ever. (laughs) (laughs) But also, like, there's so much shit with that movie. Like, the studio closed where they were doing the CGI, and they didn't finish any. It's nuts. That movie got the shit end of the stick all over the place. But, uh, yeah. Find me, uh, find Two Minutes to Late Night on Twitter at 2M2LN, at Two Minutes to Late Night on, on Instagram. Uh, and please subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, that's how you can support the show and all the musicians who are on it. Also, we have a Patreon-exclusive podcast now where Drew awesome. and I talk to uh, just our musician friends. And with them, we design their dream festival based on their recently played uh, section of whatever their uh, whatever their platform is. So you know, uh, a recently played is very fun because it has stuff that they love, but it uh, they probably have like kids now, so there's just like also the Frozen soundtrack. <laughs> so they have to have Frozen at their music festival, and it's always really, really, really funny and weird. Do you um, and do you have um, uh, another Bandcamp day or Volume Two of the covers coming out anytime soon? I think so. Cool. We're still. I I gotta figure all that stuff out. Uh, but yeah, probably next band camp day is August. Uh, 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 is August seventh? Okay. And um, yeah, we're probably gonna have volume two out. That cool. Day. I can't tell you what's on it because I never know until like two days. <laughs> Cool. Um, you can listen to pod, uh, Cody and I on our other podcast, the Cinesnob Podcast, and ReMCU, where we we are rewatching the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Cody, you have another podcast called The Ramble. It's on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. It's with comedians Jerry Rocha and Eddie Pence. Cool. Uh, Jordan, thanks for joining us, and uh, we will uh, talk to you later. Have fun shooting your other show. Oh, th- sorry, guys. Sorry, I got to run, guys. No, Take no, don't worry about it. Bye, bye. Thanks. Uh, on that note, I'm Jerry Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania.